I'm Tyler. I'm Jenny Claire. And, and this, this is Southern, Southern Slings. Slings. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Happy Saturday. We're glad to be recording on this beautiful and hot as hell day in Mississippi. Fuck the sun. Are you nervous now? No. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. You don't have any commentary to start us off with? We may have guest cackles in the background. My mom was here to uh, watch the babies for us while we went for a date afternoon. Day date? Yeah, day date. Where we went grocery shopping. Yeah, because that's what old people do. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, that pissed her off. <laughs> I mean, we're old. That's what we eat. Have a drink and go get groceries. Go get groceries. That's our usual dates. So it's it fun. is what I it is. It. Yes, we had a good time. So you got fucking nothing. I don't know. I don't I have thought... any updates or anything this week. Babies are okay. Oh, yeah. We had a shitty week and it was horrible, but everybody's better, thankfully. Let's get right into this shit show. Okay. My story is about Christina Marie Riggs. I found most of my information from an article called They Kill Women, Don't They? by Michael Hadigan from Arkansas Times Online via Murderpedia. Cool. Most of the information, some comes from an interview they did with her after she was in prison, and a lot of it comes from her journal she wrote while she was in prison. When the killer is the storyteller, things may not always be 100% accurate, but this is her side. According to Christina, she lived most of her life in Oklahoma City. She wrote in her journal that her stepbrother sexually abused her from ages 7 to 13. She also said that she was abused by a neighbor at age 13, then started drinking and smoking marijuana. Well, I mean, that's not situation-wise, but that's about the time you need to start smoking. I mean, yeah, I would say probably a lot of people do, but I guess that was her response to the abuse. She reports being insecure about her weight, which caused her to be promiscuous in hopes of finding a boyfriend. As a lot of young girls do, she slept with a lot of people in hopes of finding the right one. And then you got to test around. Yeah, you got to try them out. By 16... You want to say that a little bit louder? (laughs) Please? So I can keep that in there? You got to try them all out. I mean, you got to know. Okay. By 16, she was pregnant and gave the baby boy up for adoption in January 1988. About the time I was conceived. Mm Mm-hmm. 88. Yeah, I was born in October 88. This is January 88. So yeah, somewhere around there. I wasn't getting my year right there. After graduating high school, she became a nurse, an LPN in particular. While she was working two jobs, she, she began dating Timothy Thompson, who was stationed at Tinker Air Force Base. She found out she was pregnant in October of 91, right after this big, beautiful baby was born. Mm-hmm. Yes! And she told Timothy about the baby. Christina's mother, Carol Thompson, said that Timothy wouldn't accept that the baby was his, and he moved home to Minnesota after his discharge from the service. She had previously dated a man named John Riggs, a local sailor, and started dating him again around this time. She said he was great with her, and as far as he was concerned, the baby was his. That was a quote, so I'm not sure if that meant she just let him think the baby was his, and maybe he wasn't great at math, (laughs) or he just treated the baby like it was his. The baby Justin was born on June 7, 1992. She wrote, As I held Justin in my arms and looked into his little face, I became so scared. Rude. Jesus. It's okay. Now is not the time to be watching some videos. Some bitches. Put it on silent. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm, I'm done fucking around with you. Okay. Okay. She wrote, as I held Justin in my arms and looked into his little face, I became so scared. Would I be a good mom? Could I give him all he needed? Spoiler alert, no. Okay. You couldn't. Thank you for spoiling that for me. Her boyfriend, John, eventually moved in with her and baby Justin, but he admitted their relationship was troubled from the beginning. She got pregnant again, and the couple married in July 1993, but she soon had a miscarriage. Christina said after that she was very depressed and suicidal because her marriage and her birth control meds. For anybody who doesn't know, birth control pills are the devil and it can make you feel all kinds of crazy. So I'm not taking up for her at all, but that is a legit argument that birth control makes your hormones go insane and you can feel super depressed very fast after getting on them. Right. Her doctor deprived the antidepressant Prozac, and it helped, but when she felt better, she stopped taking it. So, as somebody who's worked in psych, that often happens. So, a lot of times when you start taking any kind of psych meds, antidepressants, people actually end up killing themselves as soon as within like the two-week usual period that the meds really start to work because usually they have been depressed or down so long that even if they wanted to kill themselves they literally don't have the energy or mental capacity to so a lot of times that right there is the scariest time when you're on meds that's when you have to extra look out for your patients because you would think oh good they're better but really that just means they may be able to carry something out like that now so that's just my um psych warning Gives you the energy to kill yourself? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Okay. It happens. In December 1994, Christina gave birth to another baby, Shelby. She wrote in her journal that they were so happy to have this baby girl, and she didn't think things could get any better. Bum, bum, bum. Thank you. In summer 1995, the couple moved to Sherwood, where Christina's mother lived. Shelby had recurring ear infections, and Justin had ADHD, and Christina hoped her mom could help because they were a handful. She took a job at Baptist Hospital where her mom also worked. Eventually, the marriage crumbled. Christina divorced John and moved back to Oklahoma City after John allegedly punched Justin in the stomach. Okay. So before that, I didn't see... I mean, it's always said the marriage wasn't good, but I never saw any signs of abuse towards her or the kids. And nobody in what I read collaborated... Collaborated? Corroborated, corroborated this you. information. From here, Christina's financial situation only worsened. She had to work multiple jobs to keep up with bills, which meant paying more in child care, which that could get me on a whole nother level of rant yeah. that I'll say, but child care in America is ridiculous. Bullshit. John only paid child support here and there, so that didn't help much. She wrote that she was drowning fast and didn't know what to do. So, kind of like my story last week, that was really all the backstory. And then we go straight in to the murder. On November 4th, 1997, Christina gathered the drugs. She obtained the antidepressant Elevil from her pharmacist, which I'm assuming that means she was on it. Yeah, she was taking it. Or she supposed, was supposed to be to taking, taking it. it. And stole morphine and potassium chloride from the hospital where she worked. Uh. Yeah. Bad nurse 101. Yeah. About to meet bad mom. She gave the children a small dose of Elevil each and put them to bed. So that would just sedate them. antidepressants do make you sleepy. Yeah, they can. Which in kids, they would. At around 10 p.m., she injected Justin 
with undiluted potassium chlorine uh. in his neck, which caused the boy to wake screaming in pain. Yep. Potassium is one of the most irritating drugs to the veins. So I worked in the hospital for years, and we gave potassium all the time. We, of course, would dilute it, and it still would burn the veins sometimes. Yeah. I mean, not severely to where they would scream, but it would. It you would could still, tell it, it would, would hurt. Still irritate yes. the fuck out of it. So it has to be diluted. Yeah. And she gave her small child a shot of straight How potassium in the neck. Okay, this is a ninety-seven. And he was born in, what did I say? 89? 91. She found out she was pregnant in 91. Okay. She gave birth to him in 92. Okay. So he was five. Yeah. And the little girl was born in 95, so she was two. Uh, I do not like where this is going. Nope. Mom is not a huge true crime fan. <laughs> Waking up, screaming in pain. Right. She quickly injected him with morphine to try to help. But it had no effect on him, and he continued to cry. So she rocked him for a few minutes, and he wouldn't stop screaming. Dose him again. And she smothered him with a pillow. Ah. She next moved to her daughter Shelby's bed and suffocated her with a pillow. Thankfully, she realized that the potassium was not going to work and didn't try to do that to the baby, too. Christina laid the children side by side on her bed and covered them with a blanket. She then wrote suicide notes to her mom and her ex-husband and took 28 Elevil and injected herself with undiluted potassium chloride. I will say that at least made me feel a little better no. that she knew the pain he felt. At least that she okay. didn't dilute it for herself. Yeah. Supposedly 28 Elevil is a lethal dose and enough and the potassium was enough to kill five people. The Elevel knocked her out, and she was unconscious on the floor by 10.30 with a silver dollar-sized hole in her arm from the potassium. So if it did that to her, imagine what it did to that so five-year-old boy's neck. So it yes. What the fuck? So it, like, eats through her veins uh-huh. and all of her skin and shit? Uh-huh. What the fuck? When she didn't show up to work the next day or answer the phone, her mom got worried and drove over to let herself in. Thomas found all three and called 911, saying, My daughter and her babies are dead. Paramedics found Christina barely clinging to life and took her to the hospital where they stabilized her and placed her in ICU. Police found the syringes and suicide notes and arrested her after her hospital release the following day. That seems like a fast release. I mean, I'm not worried about her health, but it seems like after that she was let go pretty fast. She made a detailed taped confession to the police explaining how she killed her children. Her suicide note to her mother read, I hope one day you will forgive me for taking my life and the life of my children. But I can't live like this anymore, and I couldn't bear to leave my children behind to be a burden on you, or to be separated and raised apart with their fathers and live knowing their mother killed herself. In June of 1998, her trial began. She pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Fuck you! Her defense said she had a long history of depression and low self-esteem, claiming she was a poor, single, overweight mom. So is half of America, and they don't shoot their children up to kill them. Okay, so overweight is something that we can claim in court now? Apparently. Apparently in the 90s we could? That was part of her. She's insecure. One psychiatrist testified that she felt Christina thought it was an act of love to take her children with her when she died. Fuck you. The defense also said she had PTSD from working triage. Hold on, listen. I needed like this part. 
They said she had PTSD from working triage at the Oklahoma City bombing site. Uh, the hospital had no record of her working in uh-huh, that area. Exactly. So maybe some other nurses she worked with or people from that hospital were dispatched to that area to help during that. But, but she, she was not. But she claims she has she PTSD claims, yeah. because she was near the blast site. Prosecutor said Christina had decided the children were an inconvenience to her and alleged that she often left them alone during their last few weeks while she competed in karaoke contests and plotted their deaths. (laughs) She had left them with her mom some to go out during those last few weeks and some by themselves, and she was out karaoke it. The jury saw her as manipulative and selfish. Ding, ding, ding. no fucking shit. She begged the jury saying, I want to die. I want to be with my babies. I want you to give me the death penalty. The jury of seven women and five men took only 55 minutes to deliberate. That was about 52 long. Yeah. And found her guilty on two counts of first-degree murder. Christina collapsed on the floor when she heard the verdict. Drama queen. Fuck you. She was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Fitting. Yeah. But I'm sure they nicely diluted hers. They did try to appeal based on some (sighs) bullshit... That uh-huh. she was still under the effects of the Elevel when she gave her confession, but that was, of course, denied. She admitted to having a hard time in jail when she got there because other women hated her. Boo-hoo. Because you killed your kids. And I'm sure there's a lot of other bad moms in jail, but I'm sure there are also some that are just there because they got addicted to drugs or something, and they really do wish they could be with their kids. So right. don't come in there having killed your kids because I'm sure it's not going to be good for you. It just makes me think that... The, that's about the same thing that uh, the male prisoners do to those child molesters mm-hmm. that yep. uh, yep. that come. Oh yeah, they yeah. fuck them up. And they deserve it. So. Yeah. She visited her mom and read lots of books as she awaited through her appeal process. I can't believe her mom would still come and see her. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, luckily none of our kids have done anything too bad yet. So, I can't say how it would be, but, I mean, that's your grandkid she killed. Yeah. I just, I don't know that I could feel sorry for her at all, even no. if that was my child. Yeah, but maybe she didn't feel sorry for her. She felt the need to be there for whatever she could do. Okay, yeah. you can sit back down now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm not taking up for her or anything, but some... Some moms just don't know when to quit. Yeah. And there's a lot of enabling in that, so I'm sure that was probably her demeanor anyways. Absolutely. The execution was carried out on May 3rd, 2000. Her last words were, There's no way, no words can express how sorry I am for taking the lives of my babies. Now I can be with my babies as I always intended. I I love you, my babies. She was pronounced dead nine minutes later. She was the first woman to be executed in Arkansas in 150 years, and only the fifth executed in the nation since the U.S. Supreme Court lifted the ban on capital punishment in 1976. There were some articles about her being a woman and being sentenced to death, but I was not going to get into all that because she deserved it. I don't feel like just because you're a woman that you... Shouldn't get you harsh should punishment. Get, yeah, you should get leniency. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. As Just, I say that in front of two women that could easily stab me. She deserved to die, and 
That's yeah. a story of a really shitty mom. Yeah. If you can name call her that. Are we ready for me to fuck something else up? We're ready. Okay. We get to go to Texas again for my story. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. No? Okay. No. No. Okay. <laughs> I got to make sure I do this up top because I think I forgot last week. I got most of most of my information from truecrimefiles.com. Hadn't tried that one. It's really good. Good. It was very helpful. All right. December 6th, 1991, Sarah Harbison and her friend Amy Ayers. A-Y-E-R-S. Ayers. Ayers. Sarah Ayers were killing time and hanging out at North Cross Mall in Austin, Texas. They were waiting on Sarah's sister, Jennifer, and her friend Eliza Thomas to get done with their late night shift at I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. This is about ice cream? Yes. We just had delicious ice cream today. Well, it's not about ice cream, but there's no there's no ice cream involved. Just the yogurt shop. Disappointment. Eh, whatever. Um, <sighs> I get that a lot. I'm used to it. Okay, thanks. By the way, this this week taught me a lot about myself. I'm trying to research this, mm-hmm. and the main thing being that uh, I can't spell yogurt without autocorrect or the little red shame lines popping up on. Google documents. Yogurt's not an easy one to spell. You were supposed to laugh. I, I told you earlier you were supposed to I laugh. I like the shame lines. Okay. That I was had, cute. I had, to, I had to use that from Dan. Oh. Not even original nope, not content. Even original. Okay, I've never heard that. The little red shame lines? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that. I like that. Now it's going to haunt me at yep. work. Mine's <laughs> days bleeding my whole document until I get done and then I go back. I'm a decent speller, but that's, it's not my strong suit. It is not my strong suit in the least. Your kryptonite is yogurt. Yes, in both ways. <laughs> Sometime after 10 p.m., Sarah and Amy walked the few blocks to the yogurt shop to help close up shop. After the store was closed at 11, there were plans for the girls to go to a slumber party. First of all, what fucking yogurt shop closes at 11 o'clock? At 11 p.m.? I guess in some bigger what places. What fucking strip mall? In bigger places, we yeah. live in small we towns. Okay, yes, fine. I mean, so. I mean, there's there's a lot of nights where I would love yogurt at you know, nine, ten, eleven o'clock, but I'm not used. To, I was not used to that. I'm not going to ever be used to that of ever seeing or hearing of a place being open. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing in this town of six thousand people we have open past ten is McDonald's, and that's it. And one gas station. Yeah, one. But I think it's good, especially when you have teenagers that need something to do. But you keep teenagers in... Thank you for leading into that. But you keep teenagers in a yogurt shop when you close at 11 and you don't have somebody past the age of 17. When I was 17, me and a bunch of other people very close to my age closed Wendy's at midnight. Okay, well, I guess it's I guess it's just weird to me then. Maybe you were just privileged and you didn't have to work hard, fast food jobs. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! I get a lot of shit about my privilege, so I just had to do that to him. Around midnight, Officer Troy Gay notices smoke coming from the strip mall while on patrol. He reports the smoke and fire. Firefighters rush over and put out the fire. They found all four girls dead in the yogurt shop. What? No way. Okay, can I just say, you would think the plethora of cold substance 
could help with the fire. You could have thrown some yogurt on it. Unless they were not I'm with us sure when it was set were, on fire. Pretty sure they were already dead. Oh. Firefighters found all of, all four of them naked, bound, and gagged with their own clothes. Amy's body was found in the back of the shop, while Jennifer, Sarah, and Eliza were clustered in a corner. The girl's legs were spread open and an ice cream scoop placed between one of their legs. The killer, or killers, had collected napkins and other flammable things from the store and doused them and the bodies in lighter fluid before lighting it, on, lighting it up and leaving. The bodies were burned almost beyond recognition. Autopsies were done on the girls and found that all of them had been shot in the back of the head. It's in the article it said that they were shot execution style and I'm glad that you can actually be here for this because mm -hmm. I don't understand the concept behind execution style other than what's pictured in my head is you're down on your knees and that's get, what I thought it was yeah begging for your life kind of thing I, they don't give any other other example than that of that they were shot execution style on your knees pretty much begging for your life but your executioner is behind, behind you. you yeah, yeah. That, and that's yeah. what I think of yeah and that's that's pretty much what that means. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I've just never understood it. I guess. It's a power thing. Yes. You know, you're standing over somebody who's bound and begging for their lives, and you're the one. And I feel like you're they the one also in power of it. Okay. Yeah. They don't know exactly when it's coming. It's yeah. just from behind. Mm -hmm. I, Definitely. I, yeah. I guess I just, I guess I just want a clar clarification on the definition itself. You've been told. Thank you. You're welcome. Autopsies also discovered there were two guns used in the murders, suggesting more than one killer. Despite a lengthy police investigation by lead detective John Jones and his partner Mike Huckabee, numerous suspects in an outraged community, these murders remain unsolved. Sarah was 15, Amy was 13, Jennifer and Eliza were both 17. So it's two girls that were hanging out. Two girls out. that were... And working. Yes. And two girls that were hanging out and they were their friends and they went to go One hang out while they were closed or while they were closing. Sarah and Jennifer are sisters. Sarah and Amy are hanging out in the strip mall area. Jennifer and Eliza are working at the yogurt shop. I realize I bore you. No, I always start yawning at the second part. There were already a lot of issues trying to investigate anything at the yogurt shop. The firefighters who responded and did their jobs also washed away any important yeah. physical forensic evidence. I guess I think I've never thought about that when they say yeah. a fire happens after a murder or something. I've never really thought about the fact that they literally are going to wash stuff away. Yeah. Also, 1990s Austin, Texas didn't really have much towards a homicide squad, having only one fingerprint unit and only one homicide investigator on shift the night of the murders. Wow. Regardless of what the department had or didn't have, the phones rang and rang as tips came in. The investigators were overwhelmed when given, I would imagine, a cartoonishly huge folder of over 340 suspects and dozens of false confessions. And there was, their families didn't think of anybody that had anything out for them. These are... I know they're kids. It doesn't mean they're not, some of them could have been bad or their families could have had enemies. Are you talking mob style enemy? No, just in fucking Austin, Texas, enemies. Man. Anybody can have enemies, but you said it wasn't solved, so I was trying to solve it, okay? Oh, good fucking luck, <laughs> okay? Investigators initially looked into serial killers who might have worked in the area, considering the staging of the bodies and the nature of things, which led them to 
Kenneth Allen McDuff. My phone auto-corrected it to McMuffin. <laughs> so it says a lot about you. I guess so. Even though you don't eat. And I'm also changing his name to McMuffin because okay. my phone auto-corrected it to that. So you're gonna hear a lot of McMuffin. So he's McMuffin now. Got he it. is McMuffin now. McMuffin was a Texas serial killer. I can't say that with a straight fucking face. <laughs> McMuffin was a Texas serial killer suspected to have killed at least 14 people. He was convicted in 1966 for murdering three teenagers. These murders were called the broomstick murders because one of the teens' necks was broken with a broomstick after she was repeatedly raped. McMuffin was sentenced to death, but it got changed to life with the possibility of parole after after the U.S. Supreme Court abolished capital punishment in 1972. I can't believe Texas ever like let that happen. I can't believe they were like, I don't care what you say to the feds, I'm still going to hang my people or whatever. He was paroled in 1989 due to prison overcrowding. After his parole, it is believed he went right back to killing people, and after evading capture, was finally caught and sent to death row. On the day of his execution, McMuffin attempted to confess to the yogurt shop murders, thinking it would spare him from death, and was fucking wrong, because Texas. Yeah. Authorities investigated his confession and found it to be false, after fingerprints and hair found at the shop couldn't be leaked to him. So they apparently find fingerprints some fucking where in the yogurt shop. Eight days after the murder, investigators got a tip to look into Maurice Pierce. I'm so glad you're here for this now, too. I knew a Maurice growing up that had about, that had three fingers. Maurice. Maurice from bowling. From the bowling. He had three fingers. That's a perfect really? amount for bowling. Yes, and it was ironically on his bowling hand. Was it good? I don't remember that. Well, didn't he have, he had something fucked up on his hand. Uh, he was missing a finger, and he was missing a fingernail or some shit like that. I, so I took comedic liberty and said he had three fucking fingers, okay? Okay, but... I remember him having three fingers. Maurice was seen at the North Cross Mall the night of the murders with a twenty-two caliber handgun, the same caliber as one of the, one of the guns used in the murder. But when investigators questioned Maurice and his friends he was at the mall with, it became a dead lead. When the gun was tested, ballistics showed it didn't match the murder weapon. When the fingerprints and hair found at the yogurt shop also didn't match Pierce or his friends, investigators eventually moved on. Huh. Years passed with no arrest, so the case was turned over to new investigators. Then in 99, four suspects in their 20s were taken into custody. Forrest Wilburn, Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, not the Springsteen, I'm pretty sure you're going to... Probably not. Okay. And Maurice Pierce. The same four people questioned eight days after the murders and were released due to lack of evidence. Michael Scott confessed to the murders, and Robert Springsteen also confessed to killing and raping one of the girls. After their confessions, police were obviously convinced that they had their killers. The theory crafted by the police was that the four planned on robbing the yogurt shop. Scott, Springsteen, and Pierce went in while Wilburn acted as a lookout. Then something went wrong and the girls were murdered. Authorities tried twice to indict Welburn for the murders, but lacked any evidence to link him to anything, so all charges were dropped. Pierce was thought to be the mastermind behind the plan, but charges were also dropped against him due to lack of evidence. Again, Scott and Springsteen were tried separately, and both were found guilty of capital murder. Springsteen received the death penalty because Texas. I have it in here that Texas passed a new death penalty statute, I guess, saying, fuck you, I do what I want. Yeah. Can you attest to that at all, living in Texas? No. 
she didn't murder anybody while I she was there. I realized that, but she lived in Texas far longer than I was ever in Texas. Yeah, um, I really didn't pay too awful much attention to those kinds of things at that point in my life. I was once again, Mom is not a true crime fan. I, I was busy working full time and Raising taking care baby. of a little baby, and she almost said shithead. I, I saw did that. not. So I don't understand how you have proof, at least, that these four guys were together that night. That that they were together? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they were all hanging out. Yeah. And the then convict half of them and not the rest. Because there wasn't evidence to the other two. They did it. And they confessed. They did it. Close the book. That it's sounds done. like Texas logic. Well, we're in mm. Texas, so. No, I think that's desperation. Let's yes. let's close this case. We've got to find somebody to blame yeah. for it. Uh, that was pretty much what they did. Scott was sentenced to ninety sentenced to ninety nine years in prison. Not long after their trials, concerns were raised that they might be innocent. First of all, there's no physical evidence linking them to shit, which they found out the first time they questioned them. Also, both men said their confessions were coerced. There was even evidence to back up these claims. One detective was transferred after he allegedly extorted confessions in another case. And a picture came out of another officer pointing a gun at Scott's head to give his confession. Mm, shit. Also, they were Texas truly desperate to find... Yeah. Well, yes, I'm sure you Also, have... Texas, I don't know what the fuck they did to these two detectives, cops, whatever you want to call them, after this picture came out and the other guy was apparently just transferred. Well, you're you're somebody else's fucking problem now. I do understand that they would have a lot of pressure for young girls killed yeah. for no reason apparently, you know, and their families and just the city would probably be outraged and, you know, I understand that they would want to put it on somebody to make everybody feel safe. Roughly 15 years after the yogurt shop killings were committed, both convictions were overturned when the courts found they violated Springsteen and Scott's Sixth Amendment right to confront their accuser. Scott and Springsteen's confessions were used against one another at trial, but their lawyers were never given the opportunity to cross-examine the accuser. As a result, it was determined their constitutional rights had been violated and were let go. Later in 2008, DNA testing was done on the evidence collected from the crime scene, and the male DNA found did not match Scott or Springsteen, or any of the other men suspected of the crime for that matter. Wow. So they still had fucking nothing. So what if that DNA had been in there already? I'm just saying it doesn't have to be the killers, does it? I mean, it doesn't have to be. Depends on where they found it. Yeah. yeah. Some of the lawyers, investigators family members, and armchair detectives who have studied this case think the killers were actually two yet unidentified customers who were in the yogurt shop at closing time. Closing time. The police apparently interviewed 52 customers who visited the store on the day of the murders, but two men who witnessed who witnesses placed there at closing time were never, never found. Three people who left before closing noticed two men sitting in a booth looking like they weren't leaving anytime soon. They ordered a soda or something like that. That was all the article gave. These two customers remained in their booths while Jennifer was seen locking the door and put, putting the closed sign up. To this day, neither of these men have been identified. Okay, I changed my answer. It's those two. We also don't know where my dad was. <laughs> time suck reference. Yeah. As we hopefully hear the sigh from someone so else over here. Time suck Dan always <laughs> says, 
Dan, Dan has always, started this like, new bit. Conf- of, accuses his dad when things are left undone, <laughs> which he loves his dad. Yes. But he, I don't know where my dad was at the time. But, so we still don't know if robbery was even a motive. There wasn't but $540 stolen from the register. It's a yogurt shop. It's probably not going to have very much cash. Yeah, that was probably all of it. Yeah, that was probably it. So it's really hard to even imagine that this was just a robbery gone bad or... Yeah. I mean, it just seems two guys could have overtaken four teenage girls easily. You definitely didn't have to kill them. Not for $500. The I Can't Believe It's Yogurt Shop became a nail salon, but the plaque remains in the parking lot under an old oak tree, memorializing Jennifer Harbison, Sarah Harbison, Amy Ayers, and Elizabeth Thomas, and reminded all of those who passed by that justice has yet to be served. And that's it. Wow. That's all I got. I was waiting for you to say, no ice cream for closers. <laughs> that's awful. I got nothing for that. Oh, only because I did coffees for closers. Mm-hmm. So now we get to do a little random interview. Quest- yeah, interview question and answer. From Tyler's mom. With, with Christy. Very weird looking you in the face and saying Christy. It's I mean, I know weird. your name, but it's, it's just... kind of weird having you look at me and call me Christy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have a list of about 200 questions that I have found on the internet, but I would just ask a few. Did you did you Google questions to ask your kid? Um, actually, no, that wasn't the question I put in the Google search <laughs> box, but... Thank you, Google. Yeah. Um, Jenny Claire, what's the best thing that's happened to you this month? Our trip to Atlanta. Ah, uh, okay. That was yeah. fun. Much needed family time, even yes. though it was wild. Tyler? Oh, fuck. What's your favorite app on your phone? Um, TikTok. I thought you were going to say Discord. No, I don't. Okay, TikTok, TikTok <laughs> and Discord, because... Discord's the only way I can talk to some of my friends. Oh, okay. Oh, let's see. Jenny Claire, who's the kindest person you know? I'd like to thank myself. <laughs> you you know I'm keeping that in there, right? <laughs> my do friend Hannah. A, okay, I was going to say, do not give a bullshit answer. Like I'm not. Me. One day I bullshit. I would never, I love you, but I would never say you were the kindest person I know. <laughs> My friend Hannah, she is just the best. Yes, she is. She is pretty awesome. Tyler, if you could give yourself a nickname that everybody could say, what nickname would you want people to call you? That's a good one. As sex power horsepower is out. It definitely it has out. to be appropriate like for your kids and your mom and everybody. Why the fuck have you got to hit me with this one? That's a good one for you. That I is mean, a good one. I figured it'd be some kind of D&D character or something. Then, it, then okay, thank you, because then it would go to the first character I made, and Maz, which was short for Mazaku. It was just... You don't have to nerdsplain us. <sighs> That's a thing? Earth, apparently. <laughs> I get nerdsplained on the daily. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for anybody else D&D... <laughs> Related that listens to this, <laughs> and or Yu Yu Hakusho that listens to this. I love my big nerd, but okay, I, I would hope so. I don't. When you start it, it's all Charlie Brown. 
Jenny Claire, what's the most relaxing situation that you could imagine? Hopefully, what? what? Can I give a funny answer? No. I may edit it, but sure. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say dick, but that's it. I figured that's where you were going. Sorry. In front I'm of your mother. So, yep. Thank you so much. Not surprised. Where, I'll cut it. Where hopefully we'll be in like 30, 30 days just on the beach, just me and you. Yep. Tyler. Before you make a call, do you rehearse what you're going to say? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, that shocks me because you're like a seat-of-the-pants type guy. No, but if I If have it's to... like a professional call, if you like got to call the school or something about work, yeah, but I wouldn't think so. <laughs> no, if I have to call... If I have to call Chad, if I have to call my boss at all, I rehearse at least the first sentence or two of what I have to say. And most of the time, it's, hey, Chad, I fucked something up. Yeah. Or his worst nightmare, hey, Chad, I fixed something. <laughs> he hates when I call him and tell him that. <laughs> when me and your dad fixed the door on the trailer, yeah. I, I didn't even call him. I pulled up at the warehouse and said, hey, Chad, come here, I fixed something. You know you can't start a sentence with me like that, right? Your definition of fix and his are two different. Are completely two different things. All right, so here's the last one. I'm really afraid to ask this, but... Oh, God. Yeah. Tyler, what's your favorite smell? Keep in mind, you guys, they live in a house with two toddlers, a 10-year-old boy, and a 6-year-old girl. Go for it, Ty. <laughs> I mean, it's still fresh-cut grass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a dumb answer, but... <laughs> there you go with your basic white girl answers again. Fuck you. <laughs> How about you, Jenny Claire? Brain. Rain? Mm. I thought you said brain. <laughs> Love a good brain in the morning. <laughs> or like clothes fresh out of the jar. Anything clean smelling. Uh, I don't like the grass because that's not clean to me. Whatever. That's too outside -y. Just before it starts <laughs> to rain. Because it's apparently a southern thing. Because I get looked at with blank stares <laughs> of, what the fuck did you just say? No, I know, it's a thing. Okay, making sure. It's just very pumpkin spice of you. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Refer back to his cheesecake for his death row meal. Uh, okay, so now we can ask her oh, that. Oh yeah, what would be your death row what meal? What would be, yeah. What's your appetizer? Mm. Anywhere. Those fabulous... Fabulous. Egg roll things that we had at, at the gemstone. The gemstone. Ah, uh, nice. the what the South, Southwest? No. Was it not the Southwest? Yeah, one? Southwest egg roll. I yeah. think that's what's okay. called. That southern, sauce is my favorite. Yes. Yeah, the, the Southern Southwest. I, I yeah, don't know, but whatever. oh my gosh, I could eat, I could eat the daylights. What's your favorite eggs? bread? Oh, sourdough. So you would go for just a piece or two of sour bread, the sourdough bread. Hmm. Yeah, this is I'd your have to last, I, this I is would your last meal. Yeah, but I'd have to save room for the main course. Okay. Which would be a you will huge ribeye. We had on our last episode, we discussed and discussed six rolls was the optimal amount of rolls. Six. And I, and I did red lobster biscuits. And I did luggage rolls. Ooh. This is from anywhere. Mm, yeah, Texas Roadhouse rolls. Okay. Yeah, every and time. And then a meat and two sides. It would have to be a huge ribeye. How do you like it cooked? Medium. Just Ugh. a little bit of moo left. Uh, that, then that's medium rare. No. Fine. Whatever, I'll cut that out. Um, sweet potato 
and broccoli. Tyler did broccoli too. Yep. I love yeah. broccoli, but that's not what I would pick as yeah. well. I don't remember what we did for an appetizer. I don't know what I did for an appetizer. I did broccoli bites. And yeah. then you got jealous. Yes, because I didn't think of it <laughs> yeah. first. And then what would be your dessert? dessert? Chocolate eruption cheesecake from Peppers, Sweet Peppers Deli. Nice. So I did give a basic white girl answer. You did? Yeah. Well, hmm. well, this has been fun. I'm glad we had an excellent guest. Thank you yeah. for maybe, sticking maybe, around. Maybe first and only ever guest episode. <laughs> I did tell Stancy that she would get to. Yes. Oh, yeah. She needs to come over. That oh. she would get she needs to. to be, yeah. We would at least ask her to. Um, this, so this in. is your this, so the Stancy. This is your formal invitation. Get the fuck over here. <laughs> one Saturday night. Thanks for having me. Uh-huh. We will see y'all next week. Thanks. Thank you. Bye, everybody. <laughs>